1: Listening to Bigfoot and Beyond, featuring the Lennon and McCartney of Bigfoot, the other arguably Harrison and Star, Cliff and Bobo.
0: Bobo, how you doing today? Not too shabby. Not too shabby. Are you looking good? Always. Do you have on your Bigfoot and Beyond t-shirt? uh it's in the wash actually nice so you're going topless in other words oh yeah oh that's why you look so good awesome i got pasties on pasties nice bigfoot and beyond pasties i hope or we probably haven't marketed those yet those are kind of these are these are prototypes nice prototypes yeah you don't want to get ahead of the science you know right (laughs) well fantastic well um, Bobo we have a really fun episode for you today I lined up a couple guests that have been reaching out to me lately um, and it's probably in in my opinion I I mean maybe I'm wrong but this might be the most important thing that's happened in Bigfoot in 2020 so far Um, because you may have noticed Bobo 2020 is kind of a dumpster fire everything sucks this year it's the worst year ever yeah, but there's been a couple bright spots throughout the year, and one of which is uh, is because of these two gentlemen that we have on the show today. Um, you may have picked up, I think it was in June or something like that. We'll, we'll talk to the guys. We'll get the exact date and all that jazz. But back of, uh, just a couple months ago, the BFRO on an expedition managed to get footage of a Sasquatch in the Sierra Nevada mountains of California. I think they're calling it the Sierra Gate footage because they don't want to give away the location. And that's for very understandable reasons. But um, apparently, more than one person filmed the Sasquatch or the Sasquatches. And uh, we have two of those people on our show tonight, Bobo. So I'd like you to welcome Mike Poole and Robert Collier. So, Mike and Robert, thanks so much for coming on Bigfoot and Beyond.
2: Oh, yeah, my pleasure. Can't wait. Can't wait to get started. Yeah, my, my pleasure.
0: Thanks for having us. Okay, so uh, one of you, go ahead and volunteer and kind of give us the background um, of perhaps, and not, not exactly where you are because we want to keep that location secret, but you know, give us a little bit of background about approximately where you were and kind of what led up to the events that we want to focus on tonight. I'm one of the uh,
1: organizers and leaders of the uh, California Expedition uh, for the BFRO, and uh, this year we had our expedition uh, June 25th, I believe, through the 28th, And it was an area in uh, uh, northeast California, just probably what you would say, north of Yosemite. And uh, in that area. And uh, it was, I must say, it was epic. It was epic. It was there on the, obviously, on the western side of the Sierra Nevadas, a place that we've gone before. And throughout the years, we've we've done a lot of hard work there, and it, it finally paid
0: off for us. Now, you said you've been kind of uh, preparing the area for a while, like you've been doing the groundwork. Um, what sort of things have you been doing in this area that led up to this event?
1: Okay, so this area I've been going back since uh, 2013 and uh, just attending other expeditions and uh, taking my guys like Mike and a, a few other people. Um, we've been going up there throughout the years and and just really doing our investigative work our research, um, you know, getting a lot of field time in, and what was more important. And I think Mike will agree is the more you're in an area and I'm sure you guys agree, the more you get to know it, you, you get to under, you get to understand it more and, um, you know, and, and and what, what you're dealing with there. And that's, that's the way I, I, Mike and I, and, and our other cohort that comes with us, Randy Edwards, Uh, We approach it that way. And um, and that's what we've been doing there. So a lot, a lot of time in the field, uh, looking at sign, um, just learning more about what we're dealing with there. And uh, because this area, you know, from, you know, as you know, Cliff, it has a lot of evidence, a lot of sign down there.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. This place has been pumping out um, evidence for a long time. In fact, I recorded vocalizations there um, I think back in 2006 or 2008. I'd have to j- double check my notes, of course, but yeah, this area's been active for a long time. You know, it's it's hit what what we noticed, and Mike and I talked about
1: this. You know, sometimes we'll go there and we'll get vocalizations out of the southeast uh, early morning or at night, and especially when you do calls and you get answered back. But sometimes you go up there and it's just it's just darn quiet. But we get a lot of wood knocking uh, from this area. But we also, on top of that, what I love about this area, we get a lot of camp visitations. And, 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 and uh, Mike and myself and, and Randy and a few others, we really experienced
0: that there. Do you think that um, part of uh, your groundwork is just getting the Bigfoots used to you on any level? Or is it all about you becoming familiar with the area? Um, I haven't been up there nearly as
2: long as Robert. I think my first trip up there was in '16. But uh, what I've noticed is I like to go out during the day and by myself and uh, and just kind of explore. And I've had uh, occasion where I went back up there and uh, got a rock thrown at me in the middle of the day. And and I'm kind of thinking if you're out poking around during the day, um, they're following us back. They're, they're wondering what you're doing. And that, that's at least that's kind of the opinion I have because they are coming into camp. Um, Another time, Robert and I went to a place we call the nursery where we found some very small, I would say it would be a human child on the side of a granite outcropping about uh, four miles from nearest road in bare feet with uh, another very large footprint next to it. And uh, we were up there and then we came back and we we got a little action that night, didn't we, Robert, after that? And like how, how Mike says, you know, those experiences and what we
1: we found uh, on the other side, when you, you asked about do, do doing the groundwork or going back there, they recognize us. I've talked to Mike about this and I do believe certain groups will stay or live in certain areas. And I also do believe during the winter, they may drop down to lower elevation, of course, because they're primates, right. Um, from what I believe. And uh, if they have young ones, but I do believe the, uh, since we've been working in this area all these years, I do believe that they recognize you, your voice, your vehicle you're driving, especially when you're going in there and you're not showing them as a threat. Um, as of right now, like right now, hunting season's on. And, you know, this is a place that hunters do go down there and make camp and hunt that area, but they know us as not threatening. And I have um, experimented with that because I always usually bring the same vehicle back. Um, so does Mike and, and, and Randy and, and a few other people. But I, I do believe they recognize that. I believe that intelligence is there, and I think that's what, one of the reasons. One of uh, why we've been so lucky in getting what we've, the evidence that we have obtained, um, and um, in the footage and everything
0: else. Yeah, I would I would tend to agree with something like that too. I mean, to put it in uh, Dennis Fole's words, um, you have to become a predictable feature in their environment, and that's the best advice anybody can say about sasquatching in general. And um, and another thing. Uh, you know, um, Matt Moneymaker. You know, uh, people say what they do about him, but man, he is really good. I think Bobo would back me up on this. He's one of the best th- there ever has been at finding Bigfoot things. You know, like Bigfoots in general. One of the ways he does that is that he puts himself in the place of the Sasquatch. He tries to get inside their brain. In other words, you know, um, and put yourself in in the Bigfoot spot, or yeah, heck, even put it in your own brain for a minute. If some guy in a big orange lifted truck drove up in front of your house last July, lit off a bunch of fireworks, and it was just a general jerk, you would probably remember them the next July. You know, if a, that same orange truck rolled up, you would go, oh, that's that, that's that jerk, right? Yeah, so if you're going there and you're not causing trouble, certainly, uh, well, if you are causing trouble, they will remember you. But if you're not causing trouble, that won't put up any alarms for them. And I think that's something that we need to keep in mind when we're out there in the woods is uh, do no harm and help them remember you next time that you did no harm. Well, you know, from
1: what Mike brought up about the nursery area, we, got, we went into an area where, he, he, where we found a plethora of evidence and that they're there in our opinion. And it's kind of funny, Mike, Mike would agree with this. I remember him and I talking about we almost felt like we were trespassing. Now, I haven't had that feeling in any other area there except for this area. We didn't stay long. Because getting back to what you're saying, I always like, they're they're always in control. Always, always, They're always in control. It's their environment. It's their home. We respect that. So we give them that latitude. We give them that distance. We want them to trust us when coming back each year. I think that has really worked out, especially this year.
2: Yeah. As a matter of fact, we've never gone back up to that area again. And I don't think we will, uh, that nursery area. Let them be up there right that we don't have any trouble with them coming down to see us at least this year it didn't seem to be any trouble we've had a lot of other years having trouble but this year they came down to see us so that's fine um, going back to wearing the same uh, you know keeping the same look every time I, I do the same thing i wear the i wear the same hat the same uh, they may not be the exact same one but the same black coveralls when i go at night i wear a boonie and black coveralls and the same backpack i try to look the same every time i go out
0: well, OK, so this particular trip, uh, how did it start out? I mean, were you aware Sasquatches were in the neighborhood right away or did it take a few days or what led up to this event? Well, with
1: COVID and everything going on, you know, we, didn't, we weren't sure we we're going to have the expedition due to closures, you know, the gates and, and areas being closed. And but we were lucky enough to um, it opened up for us after making a plethora of phone calls, getting some intel up there. I have family that lives up there and they helped me out you know, checking on, um, road and Mike has gotten one up there, uh, and, uh, he was able to do some scouting when there was still snow, but we were fortunate to have it. So the, we were, I think we were the first group in there this year and you kind of large group. And I think that paid off for us too, um, because it did open up late uh, and, um, getting in there. I think that that was a huge plus to us. And on one spectrum, I think it, it really shook them up. Because right off the bat, on the first night of the expedition, we had some new people with us. And those new people actually went down um, to an area with Mike and another gentleman named Dan Butler. And, and then we had another group come in. Mike, was that 10, 15 minutes
2: later? Yeah, that was actually, uh, yeah, that was about 15 minutes, 15 minutes later.
1: 15 minutes, that was led by uh, one of our other, uh, uh, one of the other assistants, Randy Edwards. And, but Mike had a new person with him, and I'll let Mike pick that up cause he's there standing with
2: her and her husband and Mike picked that up from there with what how it all started off. Yeah, okay, so so here's what we did. We, we walked down the main trail, we got down to a, like the bottom and I says, I says, Randy, I'm gonna head in. I'm gonna go up about a couple hundred yards. I'm gonna cut in off to the left and we're gonna post up o- over this meadow. Yeah, we're using radios, but anyway, we're gonna post up over this meadow you wait about 15 minutes and then you come on. So we went in there and uh, we, we got our spot. We pulled off the trail. We probably got about mm, 25 yards off the trail and we posted up out overlooking a a meadow and uh, we're posted up there. Randy comes ahead and uh, as he's coming, I can see him coming. It was dark. He had uh, the guy in the very front had a red light on. And I tell the lady that's with us, the new person, I says uh, here comes the other group why don't you look through the therm and check see what they look like right so she pulls up the therm and she's looking and looking and then I see the last guy go by the group's passed and she's not looking at the group she's looking behind the group straight out at the trail and she says huge 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 anyway she saw one she didn't know how to uh hit record because she was borrowing uh Dan Butler's therm but uh we did a we did a reenactment uh the next day right Robert and uh what did what did we what did we figure about eight foot eight foot six yeah eight eight foot and they approximately partially bailed. it was 30 yards behind uh Randy's group walking behind him the very the very last guy in the group it was 30 yards behind him following him right on the trail and the guy this person is someone we've known for a while one of our one of our kind of close group and he said he thought something was following him he was hearing something behind him but he couldn't see anything. And so he, he knew it was there and it was. And, and and we actually busted it. We spotted it. And I think the way we were able to do that was uh, by splitting up. You know, we, we walked off down the trail, pulled off quietly, didn't make a lot of noise, you know, hit dark, pulled off. And then the second group with lights on walked by. And I don't think it knew we were there until it was biased. I think, we, I think it was a straight up bust. I think it was really cool that we got him.
0: Oh, that's really interesting because one of the um, Bigfooters I respect the most, a gentleman named Matt Pruitt, he's been putting forth this hypothesis uh, about how they have a harder time keeping track of two different groups as opposed to just one. So he was suggesting that if you think you have one in the neighborhood, definitely split up because they seem to pay attention to one group of people. Um, more than that. They just seem to lose track of more than one at a time, in other words. And that would be some sort of a adaptation for ambush hunting or something like that. It just makes sense for their lifestyle. So this is kind of a, some proof positive, you know, some um, evidence to support that hypothesis in some sort of way.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Actually, and and uh, we, we were able to do that successfully twice on this trip. We did it uh, the day after that as well, and busted another one. Um, the same method. Different, different location, the same method. So I agree with what Matt's hypothesis is. I think it's the truth. There's just too many of us and only one or two of them and they can't keep track of us at the same time, so. We use that tactic a lot.
1: Um, I call it the slinky or the inchworm, whatever you want to call it. If I'm with a group, I'll break up, just to break them up and then walk up a, a ways and then call the other two or three people to walk on up. So if there's one on the high side and he's tracking us, or he or she's tracking us. You know, I I I want them going. Wait a minute, I got two people up here. I got three. You know what I mean? Type thing. On our expeditions, Mike and and Randy and I, we we talked about that, and so we'll have a group that goes in first, and the other group will come in leisurely, come on by, and walk down the trail. And well, before each each night we go out, we'll plan out, hey, where we're, we're going to set up, and you know, we're going to be in in area one, area two. We give it names or numbers or we we do an alphabet type thing you know you know spot a spot b and we do that a lot so they'll get kind of going wait a minute i got one over here group here i got no you know
0: so we we try to do that and like mike said it's worked out for us a lot very interesting. That and, uh, I, I really love the fact that it supports a, an already existing hypothesis. Because whether we know it or not, we're all doing our best to be amateur scientists. You know, we have these ideas, like it's a nursery, they do this, they do that. Well, instead of loudly proclaiming it, we should be trying to gather data to support our hypotheses, you know. And I think that's exactly what you guys were doing, whether you intended it or not. I think it's fantastic.
1: You know, every time and Mike will tell you every time we're out on a trail um, every night and, you know, we always have the what we call, you know, the next night, the the briefing. But I always try to debrief with Mike and and Randy at the time. And hey, what what worked that night or what didn't work? What will work better? And it seems like we're sticking with what we're talking about here. You know, the group one going in and, and the second one coming in after that it seems like it's, it works and what you're talking about the hypothesis it you're right uh, we're all amateur scientists here uh, in, a, in a manner of speaking and we're trying to find why we're doing this you're trying to find out hey does this really work is it does this am i i'm applying this to this situation and you're right i mean it's working for it's worked probably for you guys it's worked for us tremendously so i i agree with that wholeheartedly and, and uh, so we don't try to change it up too much we make variances in, in, in that, but you're right. I, I think that's one of the best tactics. Re, uh, people that are going to go out and do this or research or, or investigate, uh, especially in groups like that.
0: Yeah, you know, we tried that a couple of times on Finding Bigfoot, you know, and it's on television. So it's a very public spectacle about it. Right. Um, and the two times I can think of um, in Ohio, for example, um, that night, Bobo saw one that night we he saw one because it followed us back to camp and we almost got one on film. Moneymaker and I were on top of a hill. I think Bobo and Renee were down on a trail with a bunch of Little League players, you know. Um or the other time was in Tennessee. Um I was alone. Well, I was with Adam Fosky, our camera guy, but it was a camcorder. So it's just Adam and I, and everybody and Bobo's on another hill, and Matt and Renee were trying to draw attention to them. And it seems that as whenever you have attention being drawn at one place the lone person or the away team shall we say has a higher chance of getting closer to the sasquatch and it's something like what you guys are doing there that's all we try to do and I, I think Mike would uh, would
1: agree with that too I mean we keep it you know I, I like to kiss everything keep it simple stupid you know what I mean and not try and try and convolute it too much and approach it from that but I, I think what works well for us is we work as a team um and like so we debrief on our own and then what we're going to do for the the, the people that are going out with us, because we we're trying to provide them with the best experience, but yet educate them to what to look for, and um, I think that's very important to us. And like I said, what we're what we're doing is is uh, working so far in it, and it's it's you know I told Mike uh, on this on this expedition, it's about time that something really paid off for us <laughs> after doing all this. And then Mike tells me he goes, yeah, he goes, every other expedition after this is going to be a letdown. <laughs> we laughed about that.
0: Stay tuned for more Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Bobo. We'll be right back after these messages.
3: Sonidos of our music.
0: Sonidos of our voices.
3: Sonidos of our stories. Listen to the sounds and voices of Latin music and culture with Pandora stations like RMX, La Vida en Pop, El Pulso and Satellites. And podcasts like Ruby Rosa and more from music to stories. All that we are is in the sonidos of our culture. Listen now on Pandora.
0: Let's continue then. So we have this lady who sees it's huge. It's huge. It's huge. Following her behind. What happens next?
2: Okay. So, um, we all said, yeah, yeah, you're looking at, uh, you're looking at Wayne. He's the last guy. So that's Wayne. No, 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 I'm not, it's not Wayne. And, and I go, are you sure? And I, and then I look, I look to where she's looking and I see Wayne's headlight and it's, you know, 30, 30 yards up the trail. We realized that's what she had. Right. Very exciting. Um, it was gone. You know, we spent some time and we, we called the other group and said, Hey, we got one following you, you know, like we do on the radio. And they, they looked and, and basically the rest of the night quiet. So by the time we started chattering, it I'm sure it hurt us. Right. It knew it was following. It knew it was in between two groups and it went wherever they go when they disappear. But it went away. We didn't we didn't have any sighting of it the rest of the night. And then uh, we had the next night, Robert, we went out. That was the first night. We went out the next night we scouted around. Then the next morning we went out there and did a reenactment and tried to figure out where it was and look for tracks and, you know, no tracks. You know that area. It's, uh, you know, granite and a lot of pine needle duff. It's hard to leave a track in any of that stuff. So then we scouted around and, and did the reenactment. And then the next night we went out uh, to, in a different direction and uh, nothing. I don't, I don't think we had any action at all. Did we Robert? No, Friday night. Friday night was
1: uh, very quiet. It, getting back to her real quick, it was epic for her. What Mike said about the last guy in that group, his name is Wayne. Great guy. He's, he's been squashing with us for. He's what Wayne's about what five foot five, if that. And what, when they did the reenactment, she saw big. She estimated at eight feet. And but what, what she keyed on a Cliff was the side profile of it and how thick it was.
2: And she said what well, I believe Jamie said it was what, three and a half feet two 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 and a half foot thick. I, I, I was the dummy. I was a stand in and I held my arms, you know, and it was about two and a half from uh, back of the shoulders to the chest. Yeah, she says it was real big.
1: And so after they did that, we we really keyed on that. Hey, she really saw what she saw
2: unfortunately no picture on that one she had it but she didn't know you know how it is in the middle of the night it's pitch dark you can't find the right button especially on a piece of equipment you're not used to so she didn't
0: i think in this case considering you actually have video footage from a later time all is forgiven so we went out then the third
2: night that was saturday and we headed out and we decided to go back to the place we had gone on thursday night where jamie had seen the squatch on the trail so we decided to go down there and we did our, our normal thing we uh, had three groups uh we posted uh, one group way up the top by the gate uh that was randy he had about four or five people and then robert went in first and it was early we went down pretty early it was just starting to get dark right robert still a little light in the sky a little, just a little you know like twilight and uh robert went down and i waited about 15 minutes and i followed him down and as we worked in uh we were hearing some noises weren't we we heard uh, you guys heard robert you heard something down there right some movement right we, we started getting
1: movement the typical you know the crunching a uh, little bit of the snapping in in the tree line yes
2: yeah so i worked down with my group and uh we were snooping and pooping and, and looking around and and uh, we got down there and met robert And we were, we were standing down there and we were thinking, okay, let's, we're going to do the same thing that we did the first night. We'll send a group in, you know, and they'll pull off and and we'll send another group for, see if we can do the same thing. Well, right as about, we're standing there and we're, we're kind of just all being quiet and looking around. Uh, there is a road up above this area. It's probably three quarter mile away up a, up a pretty steep hill and there's a cattle crossing on it. And you know, you can hear, and, and there was no wind. It was a beautiful, clear, beautiful night. And you can hear the car coming down the road, pickup truck coming down the road, and and it goes across this cattle crossing. You know how that makes a sound, clang, clang. So it goes across the cattle crossing, goes clang, clang. As soon as the clang, clang happened, we heard <laughs> samurai chatter straight up. Robert heard it. I was looking at Robert. We both heard it. We actually, uh, Dan Butler has it on his GoPro recorded. We'll have to pull that up.
0: Oh, that'd be a really fascinating uh, aspect to this whole story because I, I wasn't even aware there was a recording of such a thing going on.
2: There's so yeah, there's so much stuff going on, Cliff. It was it's I wrote it all down, but I, if, if I don't have the thing that I have written in front of me all the time, I'll forget half of it. But but yeah, it was this, this samurai chatter that happened to what, Robert. That was probably about ten o'clock at night, and uh, you and me just just about you know our eyes are about the size of the saucers. And it sounded, it sounded just like the Sierra recordings. I mean, it sounded like somebody turned the Sierra recordings on and played it. And for some reason it happened it immediately, it sounded to me like the cattle guard set it off. It might've not had anything to do with it, but the cattle guard made the sound and then this happened right away. And it, but although the sound came from nowhere close to where the cattle guard, way closer to us than where the cattle guard was. It, was, it sounded to us like a hundred yards away, right, Robert? Yeah. You, you, you can tell the difference from when the cow guard, when a, when
1: a trucker or something drives over it, you know, it's off in the distance cause you get that. But this one, this the
2: samurai chatter or this chatter was, was closer. So that happens, right? We hear that samurai chatter and it's, it's coming from uh, up the trail right about in the direction where Jamie had her sighting. And we heard that. And now me and Robert are looking at each other and saying, well, I don't, I don't think I wanna go up that trail, right, Robert? <laughs> so what we did is we uh, spread out along the bottom. and So basically we spread out with about eight people, uh, two to a group, I was on the farthest end towards where we heard the samurai chatter. And uh, we just kind of posted up and were quiet. I was sitting there and probably about 10 minutes into it, I uh, I heard a noise, I heard some noise off, oh, probably 60, 70 yards off, just out in the woods. And uh, I have a new guy with me, a guy named Dave, and he'd never been before. And uh, he was a pretty good hand. He's a Navy SEAL. He, he, he knows his way around. I, actually, he's a good guy to have as a partner if you're scared. But <laughs> I wasn't. But, but if you were, you'd be good. Um, anyway, here's some noises. So I pull up my old T, TK Scout, and I start looking towards the noise. And bam, straight up, there's a hot spot. And I'm looking at this hot spot, and it steps out from a tree, steps back in steps out, steps back in. This goes on for five minutes. And I, I tell Dave and then I get on the radio and I call Robert and uh, Robert, I got something here and, and take it from here, Robert, because you can explain what you saw and how you worked with Dan. Well, yeah. So
1: Mike gets my attention, you know, and he, and he calls me up and I start walking up to where they're and they're facing in a South direction. They're looking in a more of a South direction. And I said, what do you got? He goes, Hey, I am getting movement down here. And I've, I've seen this hotspot step out of the tree and, you know, step back behind it. So we start, we're all focusing on that. And now we're still kind of still spread out. And so we start, we start looking at it and, and Mike, I remember you. And then we had Dan behind us and Dan had a, um, a much better, um, uh, therm. Yeah. It, it didn't do movies, but it did snapshots. Yeah. Right. It, 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 just, it stills. And so as you're, you guys, right. And I'm trying to, I'm bringing up my therm and I'm trying to figure out what you guys are looking at and I'm um, getting some spots, but I'm not getting the movement. And then Dan was standing behind me. And I don't know. We, we were looking for a f- few minutes and I remember Dan, um, Dan come kind of moves up in front of me. And now he's standing between you, Mike, and Ed Sazinski. That was to your left. Who's in that picture. And Dan, I remember Dan going, Hey,
0: I think I got him." And that's the picture that money Manor posted on Twitter, right?
2: Yeah. That's the one that's, uh, it's
0: like sepia color. It's, you know, yeah, yeah,
2: that's that picture. Yeah. And Dan got that and, uh, it was so
1: cool. Well, we didn't know we had it until we reviewed it. Uh, I believe the next day it, it was just, it was just so epic. But you know, in that picture you can see, an actual figure that's bipedal standing there to the left of the tree. Looking back, people go, you know, we read the comments online. Well, how do you know that that wasn't one of your group or that wasn't a bear? That wasn't the action that we had going on down there in the totality of the situation. It was just the right time at the right place to get all that.
0: And that's what occurred. Yeah. At the end of the day, big footing is 90% luck and 10% persistence, I guess, you know, it's a lot about being in the field
1: doing the work and it obviously will pay off for you and this time it paid off
0: yeah it paid off tons for you guys and you know uh, and i would always i would just simply flick back the same crap they're flicking at you and say well it, let's compare it to the footage that you've obtained. Yeah, because I, I mean, I try to be careful about stuff, you know, when I when I I just did a this this TV gig where I, you know, the shows where they show you a clip and then you're a talking head and, and commenting on it. And I said several times, like, yeah, it's not the end of the world. This isn't a great clip of whatever it is, but it's better than anything I got. So all these uh, haters and whatnot online. Well, step out behind your, uh, your online profile, show your face, and let's have a discussion instead of you just flicking nonsense at people who are more successful than you are. Right. In case some of your your listeners are, are you know are interested in what kind
1: of therm that uh, what thermal camera that was used, uh, Dan Butler he has what he called it's called the Insight MTM V2 Mini Thermal, and that 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 was the model that would, that ca- captured that uh, figure standing. So it wasn't
0: the TK Scout. but Some of you guys were. On.
2: I, I'm the TK Scout guy. Well, I'm, I'm the ex TK Scout guy. After after what I saw on this story coming up, it's in the next hour of this story. <laughs> yeah, then I got rid of my TK Scout because if I had a TK, if I had the good therm at the time, it would have been the money shot.
3: Those things are kind of a catch twenty two. It's great that people have something, but they suck so bad that if you do get something, you just regret it.
2: Yeah, that's how I felt, Bobo. That's exactly how I felt. I was like so stoked when, when I got this video. It's that's a Sierra Gate video. I was so stoked, and then I saw it, and and to me, I'm like, that's awesome, awesome, you know. And I looked at it, and then the next day, I looked at it again. I go, that sucks. <laughs> Nobody's gonna believe me, you know. And yeah, it's just terrible. <laughs> anyway. It's not what it looked like in my brain, but that's what it looked well, like.
0: Well, yeah, and you know what? This is I mean, basically all you. You just ha- I, I mean, I, I'm not trying to downplay your achievement because, again, it's better than anything I've ever achieved in the same manner. But you guys had a sighting. A, a plus, is what it comes down to, and then people are all over sightings. Like people listen to podcasts and sighting after sighting after sighting report with nothing to show, just fancy words, you know. And then you have something to show on top of it. And that in itself is a huge achievement. It's just as good. It's different, but it's just as good as getting a nice line of footprint tracks from the thing you saw or any number of things. And so congratulations to you hats off. I wish I was wearing a hat. I would take it off right now. Well, that
2: one night we got two videos. So we got the one that Dan took that still shot. And so after that happened, I'm looking, I'm going to segue into this story again and keep us going after that happened. (laughs) <laughs> we, we hung out you know down there for what another half an hour robert and and it got dead right so we decided well let's head back up and we did what robert's plan is the inchworm we had uh four groups of two people and i was leading the front group and i went up me and another guy uh, dave we went up we'd walk oh 150 200 yards stop give a click on the radio you know the next group would walk up and, and we'd uh, bump along And uh, working our way up. Meanwhile, if you'll remember, there was still another group up at the top of the trail. I uh, called Randy up and said, "Randy, we're coming out. Okay. So as soon as you see me, you can go ahead. You go ahead and take off. Because he was uh, he had a group of uh, some of the older people or some of the people that were they were just over it, right? They'd had enough squatching. They either spooked or they were tired, and they wanted to get back to camp. Yeah, right. So I came up and we inch along up, right? And uh, Robert, the last guys in our group uh, We're hearing some noises behind us You know, who knows, but they're hearing stuff So as I work my way up to the top I see Randy, I'm looking through my therm I see Randy, he sees me, he waves, he takes off And he starts heading up past the gate Turns right, heads down towards camp And I wait about 10 minutes After he passes the gate And I start, I head up, I head up to the gate As I get to the gate um, We're going all lights out We had no red lights at all on Everybody was going therm um, because we had action and it was, a uh, no moon, but a lot of starlight and we were in an, on an open road, you know, not a lot of tree cover. So you could see where you're going, but I was walking with my therm up to my eye and I look up at the gate and I look at the gate and in this clear area to, uh, beyond the gate on the little slope, uh, I look and i go, there's a dude. Who's that? There's a dude and there's a dude walking. I sw- And I look, and as, as I look at it, I got the therm, it's not on record and it's walking from left to right total side view leaned over head, head leaned over arms swinging conical head and i said oh crap hit the record right by the time i hit the record it had gone into the trees and i kept the record on and that's the sierra gate footage at the time i was recording it, i didn't even know it was in there i thought it was gone and i totally missed it and i was all upset because what i saw was out in the clear and it was it was beautiful but as, as I saw it and it walked down in the, and it disappeared, but I kept recording. So I, with my partner, I tell him, Dave, I tell him what I see and we go right up there and try to get in close, we're running right at it and we're looking around, you know, and can't see a thing. And I got the therm still recording and I'm, I'm back in there looking around and, I, and now here comes Robert up the trail. So I turn around, walk back and said, Robert, I just saw one, I just saw one, I, but I missed him, I didn't record it and I'm all upset. As I'm telling Robert that, uh, Dave had stayed in the middle of the road and he hollers out, the uh, squatch had walked right past him from the left side of the road and evidently when i when i had stopped filming or when i walked up there it just tucked in some bushes 15 yards from dave it walked across the road in front of him dave has no at this point dave has no therm but he saw it because it's you know light enough with the starlight 15 yards in front of him walked across the road and down down a little creek draw and he stared at it and watched it go We end up going up there. He hollers, Oh my god, and then we all run up there like Keystone Cops, you know, and went white light after we, you know, tried to find it. Went white light, and we find a track, a beautiful track right on the side of the road. It was in gravel, so it didn't have, you know, the uh, uh, definition like dermal ridges, but it was a straight up footprint. And uh, so we're up there messing around, and meanwhile, Way down not at the gate, which is probably, what, 70 yards, 50, 70 yards from where we're standing looking look at this footprint, is Dan Butler. And he was at the back, and he's looking down the trail, and boom, it comes up and goes right by Dan. So it had made a circle around the group. And at that point, I had seen it, Dave had seen it, and Dan Butler had seen it. Yeah, and we got tracks, too. I mean, we got casts, too. So, Robert, you can go into that. But. Yeah, the, so the prelude to that
1: is as it crosses in front of Dave, uh, Dave had a therm that the battery went dead and he gets excited, it steps off and it went down. So we know this wasn't a person, right? Because why would people just walk off a perfectly good road? So it steps down into the creek, disappears, we're up there. Dan, that evening had brought his truck up there and drove me and a few other people. Um, I had not been feeling well that earlier in that day, I was feeling weak. So that's why, but I started thinking we parked trucks and vehicles up there before, and it's paid off. Uh, there was a previous uh, year that uh, that uh, we had a guy up there and parked up there, and something happened. But anyway, I was watching these guys look at the footprint on the side of the road. I look back and I see Dan taking his red, you know, his red uh, light. And he's looking down the side of his truck, and I look and I go, "Oh, Dan must be looking for for fingerprints." You know, while we're down in the trail, you know, he's has being a good you know investigator, and Dan is retired law enforcement too, so he knows he knows what to do. He's been to, you know been to this rodeo before, and he's looking. So I come walking back up to Dan a few minutes later, and Dan he's standing there with this bewildered look on his face, and he's all, "You know what just happened?" And he says. While well, you guys were down there, I'm looking at footprint, uh, fingerprints on my truck, looking for fingerprints. He says, I see this uh, large person walk up behind the gate where my truck is. And he says, I see one red glowing light. And he says he thought it was somebody from the group. And Dan, then it dawned on Dan that everybody from our groups are up here at the gate. There's nobody coming up the trail. He says they stood there and at each other it was only one one red glowing what we think now is an eyeball glowing eye and it said they had a staring contest dancing for a bit and he says it stepped up up to would be his right it's left and went up the side of the mountain
2: or the hill and dan had his red uh, red light on right so it, it could have been eye reflection from his thing on it but it was one so that all happened that night. We head back to camp. We went out the next morning and you know went to you know check it out in the daylight, and and we were able to cast uh, the track that uh, we saw when we found that night right right at the edge of the road. We found another one below that. It was actually going the opposite direction, so it must had not been made at the same. We think it wasn't made at the same time. I think it was made earlier. So, so it's a good crossing place. And then way up at the top of the hill where I had first seen it before I hit record. We found uh, several tracks and a track way, and one of them we cast because it just happened. I don't know. You guys know how that granite is. It's it's pretty hard to get anything other than a scuff mark. But the toes, three of the three of the five toes hit in a little bit of sand, a little bit of dust, granite powder, and we cast that. And I got that one here. I'd like to bring it up to your museum one of these days, Cliff, and show you. I, I think it has dermal ridges, but, you know, I'm not an expert at it. I'd, I'd like to show it to you.
0: Well, if you do bring it up, give me a call beforehand, and I will bring down some uh, special material that I have that'll allow me to make a copy within an hour. Um, normally, it takes about a week or so to make a latex mold and do the whole rigmarole of casting or copying a footprint. But I do have some other stuff. It's, it's pretty expensive, so I would only do it if you know if you brought something in like that.
2: I don't know. Well, I'm planning to make a trip up there eventually, anyway. So we'll we'll make it happen. So the size of the track, Robert, that kind of goes with the height of it. So what what would we have on the size of that track, Robert? Thir- 13 by 6, I believe. I think that's about right. It was definitely 6 inches wide.
0: Stay tuned for more Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Bobo. We'll be right back after these messages.
1: That morning, so now it's Sunday morning, right? So we drive back up to the location because I, you know, we, Mike and I and Rand, we all talked. We wanted to go back, and from what we saw the previous night, we wanted to definitely try to cast the one that that stepped off the road and down into the creek area, and then we wanted to go back and do the reenactment of what Mike saw on the trackway and in position, which we did. Uh, we stood back from where Mike was, shot the distance. We used Dan Butler as a stand-in, and we used a. Um, range finder i think uh what was the range mike i think what we were at yeah 87, seven something around in there i believe if i look back on my notes and we did that found the trackway where end up cat mike made a cast we got a cast uh we casted the one off the road but when we went up there and we looked at all this i had left my dental stone down at, at camp so i got in uh the truck with uh, our new guy david and then i drove back down i got my dental stone so Cliff and Boaz, Dave and I are coming back up. We're in his Toyota Tacoma. We're just, we're going real slow. And the road starts kind of going up if you remember the road. I don't know. I was, I think, from where the group was, I think I was still about 100 yards out.
2: Yeah, maybe, maybe a little better. Maybe a little more. Maybe 200. Yeah. I, I
1: look up to, I just look up to my right. Remember, this is, I think my time was right. It was between 9 and 10 in the morning. I look up to the right. I just happen to glance up, and I see between two trees. There's manzanita in front, two trees, and then there's off to the left. There's these huge boulders. I look up, and I see this this hunched over sun glistening off the back. With the, you can see black hair that turns silver, and one goes right between the two trees behind the manzanita and behind the boulder. I tell Dave, stop, stop, stop. He stops. I go reverse, reverse. He throws the truck into reverse. By the time I believe it wasn't very big, but here it Your the the head forward leaned over walking right to left. I just caught her uh, and I'm calling her. I'm thinking it's probably the same one, but we always see in that area. what was seen from the, the night before, maybe six foot three, six foot four, but definitely that forward, uh, the body hunched forward. And uh, they got the arm swinging going and it just it, it looked like it was gliding right between the two trees. But what stands out in my mind, guys, is the sun glistening off the back and it, it, you could see the oils off the off the hair. That was
0: cool. Now, now, Robert, I don't know if you want to go in this or not, but you're a trained observer. Like when you are throwing around these six, three, six, four numbers, um, some people in the audience might be listening and saying, oh, well, how does he know that? Well, I mean, are you willing to share how you know that? yeah i'll give my background so you know i you know here, here i'll give a little bit of the background
1: i've been up in the Sierra nevada mountains on the east and west side all my life i've i've hunted at one time which i don't do anymore um i'm pretty good at distances i um you know i've backpacked I, i'm an experienced outdoorsman but along with that is my profession my training. i'm a law enforcement officer in southern california i've been a been in law enforcement for 25 years so, you know, along with that training and my experience and investigations, you, ha- you, you get to know distance, height, weight, hair color, eye color. Yeah. So I'm very well versed in all that. So you're a trained observer
0: who's, uh, who,
1: oh yeah, I'm a trained observer yeah, that, that goes with being a law enforcement officer. So, yeah, I mean, my, my senses and, uh, and I tell people when we, and I laugh, it's, it's, It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a blessing and it's a curse. My, my senses, my sixth sense, my radar is always on. I I tell people I see, I see the world or, or in a very different way than the average person does. So. My eyes are always trained and my head's always on a swivel. And yes, and it goes back to being, I am a trained observer. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. So, when you say 6'2, six, 6'3, six, this isn't some sort of wide eyed, arms flailing, panicked observation that lasts a half second. This is coming from someone who is not only trained in observation, but has a tremendous number of field hours doing exactly what we're talking about right now. So, yeah, maybe it is 6'5, but you know what? Close enough and far closer than the vast majority, 98% of people would be able to estimate so i want to put that out for the audience so when you can when you hear these numbers you can take them pretty much to the bank but you know it, it, it gets better from here cliff you know, i i guess if we're just warming up we might as well get to the main course yeah stop with the hors d'oeuvres and tell us what's going on after this all occurred and
1: it was that morning, um, and Mike, you know, helped me along here. We went back to, obviously we met, we went back, went back to camp and, and a lot of the, the expedition has pretty much ended now. And it's Sunday, you know, everybody leaves. Um, so we decided to stay an extra day.
2: I had to go Robert. I, I, I had to, I had to do that stupid job thing to pay to pay for my new therm.
1: Here, here it is, uh, Yeah. Here, here's Mike being a good boss. He had to get back to, you know, civilization so myself, uh, a guy named Ed Sosinski, uh, and, um, Randy Edwards, our, our friend and the other assistant and, um, David stayed, uh, our good, our good squash friend, Ray Lopez stayed, uh, we all hung out for an extra day. And, uh, so that evening we went back to where the Sierra Gates footage and that trail that evening, but we, we went out, um, uh, very uh, more. It was early, it was dusk It was still some light out So our plan was that night Hey, we're just going to go up there Go up to the Sierra Gate there And we're going to go around it And we're just going to work the trail on down A little bit, but we're not going to go all the way down to the bottom Well, that doesn't always turn out that way I was in front I had uh, myself, Ed Szynski, and, and Ray Lopez with me And so Randy and uh, David and Dan Butler was there and they stayed up towards the, the, the gate area. So Ray Ed, and I decided to work on down the trail, you know, and, and, and we're walking down there and it is just real quiet, real still. And, and it's dusk and the sun's starting to really get behind the mountain now. And we're just listening. And I believe before we went down there, I did a call from where Thursday night sighting was and from where Saturday night's uh, uh, sighting and thermal picture was taken I decide, because I can't help myself, I don't want to go all the way down to the bottom. And taking back to the previous on Saturday night, Ray Lopez had been walking that trail at night, and I guess the Forest Service or somebody left a perfectly good cut small stump on the side of the road. Ray had tripped over it the night before. So making light of that, as we get down to the bottom, believe me, we still got enough Daylight to see because the the sun is now behind the uh, the mountain to our to our west, but we still have light. As so I'm walking by the stump and we're being quiet, I do a hand motion. Almost looks like a rifle, holding a rifle. But I, I in 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 law enforcement, it's pointing out like a like a suspect. We use our hands, but there's a stump, and so I pointed out to Ray and I kind of giggle and I'm looking back at Ray because he's about I don't know. 10, 13 feet behind me. He starts chuckling and soon as now, as I do that, I'm standing in front of an area, a clearing, Ed and I now, and we can see clearly about a hundred yards down. And as I point at this stump, all hell breaks loose to our front right into the tree line. And it sounds about a good hundred yards away. And it's crash, boom, smack, crash. It starts going nuts. And we all, our attention goes there, and it's loud. It's something's coming, and it's picking something up, smashing it, breaking it. You know, we've all heard that. I hear this crunch, crunch, and I'm looking to the right. And as I just direct myself to the clearing 100 yards uh, to the south of me, Ed's already looking this way. And what, how Ed described it, it was a buffalo on two legs. We see one coming out of the woods into this clearing, uh, from right to the left what, How I describe it Huge on top Lengthy legs Huge arm swing And what I got Is the shoulder Ed saw it longer than I did He got about a second And a second and a half Longer to see it I just caught maybe One second of it It looked at 100 yards It looked everything Above 8 feet And I just remember And, and Ed said it too It looked like a Buffalo On two legs It was just massive on top and I estimate 35, 40-some miles an hour running right to the left. It was just a huge, huge blur, but you just caught enough of it. You knew it wasn't a bear, but it was definitely on two legs, and the legs were long. It was um, it was leaning forward, and I got that one left arm swing, but it was more turning its back to us. And what I remember is a shoulder. Now, it wasn't at 100 yards because we did – go back and range it. Uh, I believe we said it was like around 78 yards from us, but it was just massive. And it went to the right and it started turning to the right. And what was really spooky about it is that it ran off. You heard some more footsteps and it stopped it back in the woods. At that time to our right, more crunching, banging, cracking, started going off up trail. And I tell you all of us, Ray, Ed and I, our mouths are just dropped. I got on the radio, radioed the guys up top. I was literally taken back by the sighting. Uh, I was out of breath, too, you know, because I was really surprised. And uh, so Randy and, and Dan and David, they came back down the trail. We told them what we saw. But I tell you, I, I two sightings in one day like that from the 9 o'clock in the morning to at dusk,
2: it was just epic. Your, your cup overfloweth. Yeah yeah that to the thermal sightings and the pictures um yeah like 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 robert said we'll never see we'll never probably run into that again i'll do that for another 20 years and never see another
3: one now
0: yeah it seems like you've taken everybody else's good luck from us and wrapped it up into one trip and kept it all for yourself i hate to see it that
1: way or put it that way because i you know i i i'm hoping that we can go back or if other people go there they get to experience and respect that What they get to see, and and uh, you know, it's like when we're standing there. Ed wanted to go down in there, and I said, "Look, I said, been doing this a while." I go for that to run around there and just stop, and then we're getting commotion to the right. I go, we go down there; they're going to pinch us from both sides because I've been in that situation down there before. Didn't see them, but we 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 had a similar situation years prior to that. And I said, "Look, we're going to give them the distance. We're going to give them that respect
2: because they're going to remember that, especially when we come back." Now, you went back, though, didn't you? So we went back with uh, basically the people that uh, Robert mentioned in the first trip, minus uh, Dan Butler and Randy. Yeah, Randy wasn't there either. Anyways, there's seven of us. We went back to the same place, and we're all packing our new therms now because uh, we uh, after that last trip, you know, we— I, my wife gave me permission to spend the money. I, I'm, I'm sure I'll, I'll pay for it in spades for something she's going to buy, but I don't know what that's going to be. But, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I think I'll have to buy her a car now. But Anyway, we showed up with our new therms, and we did pretty good again. It was a, it was a quick trip. It was a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, come home Monday. Same location, uh, real quiet first night. Um, had a little bit of what did we have the second night, Robert? Not really much, right? The third night, which was Sunday, there was other campers in the area, and they all they all they all bugged out on Sunday, and so we were there, and then we started cruising around, and uh, you know sneaking around through the just in the campground area. I say campground; it's not really a campground. It's just a flat area where people park sometimes, and it's it's a good probably mile long by half a mile wide. And so there's about four, four places where people camp. Anyway, we poked around, and we heard some stuff, didn't we, Robert? Um, some, some movement, some noise, some actual full-on crunch, crunch, you know, sounded like you know sounded like walking, but nothing definitive, you know, because there's, there's other animals up there. Again, like Robert said, not everything's a squatch. But we poked around out in the woods for a while. Um, we had another group that went the other way, and we're, we, we all came back, and we met up, oh, it was about 1130 at night at the camp. And uh, had a fire. Um, it was one of those cheesy propane fires because you're not allowed to have fires in California. I don't probably never again, which is probably okay. It's uh, I can live with that if we don't burn down the forest. I'm okay with that. But it was a propane fake fire. Sitting around the fire, um, kind of gathering up, having our uh, uh, post-squatching toddy. We like to call them. Those. That's always the best kind of squatching is when you're sitting in camp with a beer. But uh, so we're sitting there and and, and listening. And I hear some movement, and uh, so I just step away from the fire and, and take my therm. And I look at a hot spot, and really I'm, I'm looking at this hot spot, and I'm, I'm seeing some movement, you know, through my therm. And Robert comes over, and I point it out to him, and, and we're both looking, and we see some movement, and and we're pretty sure there's something going on, but we can't really tell through the therm. So I, I record that for oh, three or four minutes, right, Robert? And uh, and then you know we kind of walk around nothing. Don't, don't think anything of it. Go back, go back to the camp, and uh, we eventually go to bed. And uh, and I tell you, there's one thing about that night it was something else. That night we had so much action as far as things in camp, banging on stuff, walking around, breaking branches all night long. And I usually sleep really good when I'm squatching because you know you're up so much, and when you do get to bed, it usually crash, but. That darn thing! I I kept awake. I had something opening my cooler and closing it, like like you would if you're getting a soda or a beer out of your cooler. Clunk, it open. I hear the cooler open. You know, it does a squeak? Reep, fum, closes. Reep, fum, closes. And I'm in my truck, and this is going on. And then you hear footprints, and then. So anyway, several of the guys noticed that too It got to the point where I, I, I just wanted them just go away and let me sleep So anyway, we got a lot of recording on that Ray had brought his recorder We got a lot of video recording, uh, audio, when that going on And, uh, and the, that night And then when I got home, I looked at the video And I caught what I think are two separate squatches on one video looking at us One far away and one, Robert, what, 20 yards from me?
1: Something like that, 23rd yards and some trees peeking over us. And you can see on the video, it, it, there's, there's two trees and it makes like a
2: V. Uh, I believe that was race truck. That was race truck, yeah. And race truck is Dodge, yeah. Yeah, it's a Dodge pickup. It's a the full size. He
1: was backed in and there was two trees behind him. And these two trees made a V. Well, there was a dark, as Mike had his Therm on the um, Black Hot pallet. So you can see this one thing pop in between the V, you know, it looked between the tree. It looked like and it would pop back out. But with that, we didn't see that, but what Mike was recording in front of them and we estimated it was 77 yards to our East uh, away from camp clear view is there was a tree and the ground kind of goes down at an incline and there's a tree about 77 yards. Mike started having these, uh, the blackout or these spots come out bef- behind a tree and then pop back in. And one was low and one was high. And that's what Mike was concentrating on. And in the video on the third, you can see Mike, cause I come off his right shoulder and he starts pointing and you can see his hand, what he's looking at and he's pointing down range. And that's what we were looking at. Well, not until what weeks later, when Ray was looking at the video, he told us about what's behind his truck and the trees that were, you know, 20, 30 yards away from where Mike and I were standing. It was pretty cool. Plus, we had a, a gentleman that evening. He liked, to, he liked to sleep outside, sleeps up under, under Easy Up. He has a bed. And he says, and coupled with what Mike was hearing and him sleeping outside is that, and his name is Tim, there was so much action. Tim got so nervous and it was walking around him. He actually had to get up and go sleep in his truck because it got that bad.
2: It was it was annoying. It was like it was like a couple five year olds just just bugging you when you're trying to say that's what that was going through my mind. It was annoying as hell.
0: Wow, man. So well, that, that is a tremendous tale. So is there a next chapter that you're looking forward to? Is there something that comes next in this whole thing?
2: I, I tell you, we seem to have action. I want to try that area um again, obviously early in the year. Um uh, right, right after it opens, it seemed to be our best. But, but I also, would like to get up there after hunting season. I don't think it's a real good idea to be poking around in those woods during hunting season at night with some of the people we have
0: around. So, I like to stay out of there till after rifle season. But I wouldn't mind heading back up. Well, man, it is a tremendous achievement on everybody's part here. So, congratulations, honestly. Um, I've been chasing these things for 26 years and have never even gotten close to what you achieved in that one weekend. So, uh, congratulations, man. Um, you're, you're, and also just listening to the background and the, um, the steps and the procedures you've got, you guys have gone through is kind of priming this place for such an encounter. And then what you did there, not only the recreations, but the range finders that you brought out and wrote down the data, the footprints you guys cast, the fact that you are sharing your data with other researchers to see what other information can be squeezed out of it. Um, just my hat is off to both you guys. You are exemplary in the community and I want to thank you for that. You're like a, a, you know, I don't want to gush too much on you guys, but, um, you're, you're a standard, that many people should hold themselves to. So congratulations on that. And I'm, I'm, I'm proud to have you on the show today. I think Bo, Bobo and I are both proud of this, man. This is amazing. Thank you so much.
3: Yeah, you guys killed a good job. Wow, man.
0: Thank you. That is coming from you guys.
2: That's huge. That means a lot. Thank you very much. It really does. No, you got to set your sights higher. It's just Cliff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: But you know, you know, what we try to do is, you know, like, like you said, you know, you guys have been doing this a long time and, um, you know, ever since the show and everything and, and me talking with Matt, you know, and I think, and, and I tell people, you know, and this is what I believe there's, there's two, You know, kinds of researchers or investigators. There's the what I call uh, the armchair researchers, or the people that actually go out in the field and do the work. And you know, that's what we we try to be known
0: for. And you know, you know, we take it very personally, uh, Mike and I, to put on a good expedition. Yeah, it's a matter of going out and sharing what you love with other people. You know, it always comes down to sharing love with others at the end of the day. So, and I'm glad you guys did that.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you, thank you for the time, and and
3: thank you for let us uh, you know share share our experiences. But I hate to tell you guys, you're never going to get that opportunity again that you got the proper equipment.
0: Yeah, you're right. You're right. We'll never see anything else. It'll be dumb. (laughs) All right, guys, you take it easy. Thank you so
3: much. So Bobo, what do you think, man? There's no doubt about what they got in my mind. I mean, hearing them tell their story just solidifies it. That's not people they filmed. She that was a great lineup, man. Thanks. Oh, my pleasure. I'll see who else we can get. Or if you have somebody better, I'd love you to top me. I'm going to try. It's a challenge.
0: (laughs) All right, Bubs, bring us home.
3: Okay. All right, everyone. Well, that's another episode of Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Bobo. Thanks to Robert and Mike with the Sierra's footage coming out this evening and joining us. So if you like what you heard, hit share, hit like, spread the word. And until next week, keep it squatchy.